The views, opinions, and content of the show hosts and their guests appearing on America's Web Radio are their own and do not necessarily reflect those of the station. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Doctor's Lounge. I'm Dr. Scott Barber, and you're listening to me on America's Web Radio. It's been a while since I've been able to speak to you guys, and I'm looking forward to a great show today. I hope everybody had a wonderful Thanksgiving holiday. I'm getting ready for the Christmas uh, vacation. Been having a great time with the family. My niece and nephew came out with their three little kids. And I had a great experience going to Legoland, the aquarium, the uh, science uh, place. It was really a good time. Uh, I got a little bit of a taste of what it uh, will be like to be a grandparent. So my, my uh, I don't even know what you call them, my niece and nephew's kids uh were two, four, and seven, the sweetest little kids you could ever imagine. But when they started fussing, it was great to be able to just hand them back to the parents and check out. Anyway, it's been a while since I was able to talk to you guys. I've been thinking a lot about healthcare as I always do and trying to figure out the best way to convey the concept that the only way for us to have effective quality healthcare at the lowest possible price is a free market system. It works in every sector of the world to bring the most people up out of poverty and to create the greatest wealth and innovation. Free market healthcare is the only way to go. And I spend all my waking hours trying to convince people that this idea of socialized medicine, one size fits all, top down government run healthcare is a failure. And as I've mentioned many times on this show, I always felt that it was uh, trying to create or at least convey the idea that this socialized medicine idea where everybody is covered is a lie. There's no way for a government to be able to control the healthcare system and make sure that everybody has access to quality healthcare. What they do in this socialized canard, this lie, is they control all the dollars and they spend it uh, to maintain power and to control the population. And we've seen that in the last couple of years with the COVID pandemic. And the the issue of the COVID pandemic has really crystallized all of the problems with this socialized medicine, the lack of control that we have over our own health care, and the massive control that it uh, gives to the government to be able to compel us to do whatever they want. And what I want to do is open your eyes to these things. I'm going to be playing a lot of videos or audios today of different leaders and characters involved in the whole COVID pandemic to try and really crystallize for you the idea that a one-size-fits-all government-run controlled socialized medicine uh, apparatus is a complete failure and it's not in our own best interest. Now, when I think back on the COVID pandemic, I remember my old roommate from college calling me and asking me to unpack what was going on. We were back in 2020, and he was wondering about vaccines and lockdowns and masks and what was going on. And I would say that he leans a little left these days in his politics, but he knows who I am. He respects me. He knows I'm a straight shooter, and he knows I'm a very pragmatic type person. And so... I remember asking him, do you want the full story or do you want the uh, the quick uh, rundown? And he said, well, I don't want to be here for two hours, but give me a little bit of an in-depth analysis. And so I explained to him everything 
about what was going on, the idea that, you know, we learned in medical school that masks don't work. I studied this 30 years ago. Nothing has changed. And we now have the Cochrane review that come out, has come out confirming that masks don't work. Of course, we knew that before the pandemic. We knew that after the pandemic. And so when we reflect on the last couple of years, we realize that the mask was simply a tool to uh, compel the citizenry to follow the instructions given by the uh, top-down government um, apparatus. And we know that this was deployed for political control and for monetary gain. I mean, that's a pretty simple thing. And I remember explaining the whole thing about the Lancet and the New England Journal of Medicine publishing fake studies on hydroxychloroquine, which they later had to retract two weeks later when they got caught faking the data. Uh, and anyway, I got to the end of this description and I, and Bud said to me, I shouldn't use his name, but my friend said to me, um, Scott, I hear what you're saying, but what you're asking me to believe is that the entire world is involved in a conspiracy. And at the time, it seemed somewhat far-fetched, but the reality is is that not everybody has to be in communication with everybody else. People simply use the tools that are available to them at the time to uh, benefit themselves. And we saw that this pandemic uh, was deployed, and there's a lot of evidence to suggest that this was a bioweapon released by China. Uh, to take down the United States because at the time Trump was eating China's lunch, trying to bring back manufacturing to this country and to uh, implement an America first policy, which I absolutely agree with. I think most people in the world today are sort of aware that there's two kind of groups of thought, uh, at, at least in the United States. There's this America first, which I'm a member of, and that be, that's because local government is what matters. And Listen, when you talk about America first, it's not like I'm against anybody else and neither are America, other America first type people. It's just America first is about controlling our own little uh, area of the neighborhood. You know, what goes on around the world is not my business. It's not something I have control of. I don't want to control what other people are doing and other people around the world have their own issues and they need to manage their own problems in the way that they see fit. And so Local government, whether it's your HOA, whether it's your hospital, whether it's your local government, is the best way to manage things because the people that are making the decisions are close to the citizens that are being affected by those decisions, and it's the best way that we have seen in this world to run a society. And that's why the United States has been the richest, uh, most prosperous, most freedom uh, you know, most people uh, with the greatest amount of freedom that anybody's uh, experienced in human history. And I know there are the, the haters out there that will say the United States uh, did it through on the backs of uh, oppressing other people and plundering other other countries. And I just wholeheartedly disagree with that. Now, I don't want to digress here and get into a, a discussion of geopolitical theory. I want to talk more about the healthcare. And I want you guys to understand that my real ultimate goal here is to allow you guys to think critically so that you can make your own decisions, do your own research. And we talk on this show a lot about the the red flags, right? Whenever you hear the term, we need to implement best practices. They use this in medicine a lot, best practices. And the idea is it's 
you know, we have best practices, meaning as a physician, don't use your own independent thought. You need to follow a menu of treatment that we at the top have decided. And it's a way of controlling independent thinking in medicine. And really, medicine is one of those endeavors that requires independent thought. When I was going through my training, I was taught that every patient is a unique individual and requires a unique uh, a treatment plan. And this best practices does not allow for that because the best practices cannot possibly understand the unique factors about individual patients. We know that when they deploy the term experts, and we saw, I always like to use the uh, example of um, Katanji Brown Jackson, who just recently was confirmed to the Supreme Court when she was asked in her confirmation hearing, what is a woman? And she says, well, I'm not a biologist. So I can't define that. And everybody knows what a woman is, but she understands that there are political connotations in this day and age and that knowing what a woman is can alienate potential voters. And and so she was giving a message to her followers uh, that was she was on their team by saying that she couldn't possibly venture a guess as to what a woman is because she wasn't a biologist. And this should be an alert to you that politics is in effect. Whenever anybody deploys fact-checking, now this is the thing that has annoyed me the most and continues to annoy me that has really taken over uh, in medicine and science is this idea of uh, whenever somebody offers up an opinion, we have to have this cadre of fact-checkers that are always from the left and always deployed to get you off the truth. These fact-checkers never come in to help you nail down the truth. They're always trying to get you off the truth. And I use the example of the time that I was going to go up with America's Frontline Doctors. I wanted to review exactly uh, what happened when the CDC modified their death rates from something like 60,000 to something like 30,000 when they deployed the lockdowns. And so I, I looked back the information, and of course, there were tons of fact-checkers on the case that said, fact-check, the CDC did not do that. I, of course, read the fact-check, and at the end, they say they used very complicated language, but basically what they were saying was, yes, the CDC did reduce the number from 60,000 deaths to 30,000 deaths, but they had a good reason for doing it, to which I always said, so the fact-check means, yes, they did do it. And the the point I'm trying to make there is, the fact checkers know that most people aren't going to read the discussion. They're just going to see fact check know and assume that whatever it is they're looking at is untrue when the reality is most of the time it is true or the nuance uh, when you look into it is true. And so whenever you see fact checkers deployed, you should be concerned about uh, people trying to manipulate your perception of a certain situation and beware. This concept of canceling people. I just finished uh, reading Bill O'Reilly's Killing the Witches, where uh, he did a very uh, excellent job on the uh, Salem witch trials and how uh, just a bunch of kids starting to make accusations about uh, people in the communities uh, being witches and how this led to uh, hangings of a bunch of people. And it was a uh, and then he tied it back into the, the, the current day of cancellation. And it was. A very prescient. It was uh, very um, important to see how human beings uh, really never change over time. Our our flaws uh, remain the same, and our character uh, and the types of people we are uh, are, you know, the ability we have to be subjected to the the deadly sins are the same. 
and we have we are always in a constant battle to be good people as i get older uh, i start to understand that my faith in christianity and a higher being and an afterlife is what really compels me to be a moral person the understanding that morality uh, comes from a judeo-christian background and a lot of uh, uh sayings and i know that can be controversial to say but when we look at the course of human history we understand that before the magna carta and western civilization which was predicated on judeo-christian values the world was governed by might made right now people will get in there and say well you know the the west plundered and pillaged and did all this stuff yeah well some of those things did happen because the west is populated by human beings that are fallible but as a society we battled through things and we generally made a more moral country and as a result, we have the United States, which is the richest, most prosperous, most free country that's ever existed. And that same concept of freedom needs to be applied to healthcare. Now, um, the other thing is this idea of free speech. Now, the founding fathers made free speech the First Amendment in the Bill of Rights, and it's uh, become greatly apparent to me as I've gotten older and experienced more things that free speech is absolutely important. When I was young and I used to learn about the Bill of Rights in our country and you'd see free speech, I remember thinking to myself, like, what's the big deal? Of course we have free speech. Everybody can say what we want. And now in the last decade or so, we've seen how uh, powers that be, potential tyrants, want to limit speech and they use terms like, well, he's spreading misinformation and so we must cancel that person and we must prevent his speech or the speech that they're relaying is hate speech. And the thing is, is it always seems like the arbiters of what misinformation is or what hate speech is always comes from the left. And what you see is that they end up canceling speech that is in no way hateful and in no way information misinformation. It's just interpreted by the cancelers as being deleterious to their ultimate goal, which sadly uh, these days is this globalist Marxist agenda. Now, we understand that this control of speech is really about power and control. We see it in education and healthcare. The Department of Education couldn't be doing any worse. We've seen, um, you know, Chicago schools, for example, has a ridiculously low uh, rate of students who can test at their appropriate level. We just saw the Baltimore schools. I think it was something like 0% of students, 0%. Yeah, you heard that right, 0%, meaning none of the students were at uh, level appropriate math. And so this Department of Education couldn't be doing a worse job if their goal was to prevent children from uh, learning. And then worse than that, they're indoctrinating uh, generations of people that don't appreciate America. They hate their own country. And, and it's been really problematic as emblem or, or most, you know, <clears throat> demonstrated to me by this trans agenda where medical boards are actually sanctioning mutilation of of little kids. And I mean, this to me is where we have gone completely off the rails and why I do this show. Uh, I don't get any compensation for this and I don't want any. I just, I want to save my world. I want to save my country. I want to have a decent place for my kids to grow up in. And when the medical boards are sanctioning these, uh, trans mutilation, uh, operations and, um, 
the uh, the medications to prevent these puberty blockers. I mean, this is just uh, evil stuff, and people need to start speaking up against it. And so we see that through the Department of Education, we see through Medicare, through Medicaid, that they control the dollars through taxation, and we don't have any control over how our money is spent. We've seen it with the COVID relief packages. They had this pandemic going on. The government just dis- dispensing trillions of dollars of uh, our money, our taxpayer money, and who knows where it's going. Uh, I can tell you it's not going to to uh, relieve anybody's health care. I can tell you that uh, I have my Krav Maga class where my next test is going to be for my red black belt, and then after that will be my black belt. So I'm getting getting close to black belt, and I'm very excited about that. And one of my classmates is a chiropractor, and during the pandemic, he was telling me that he was able to completely retrofit his operation to just doing nothing but vaccination. And I think he told me he was making something like 10, 10 grand a month just doing vaccines all from a government uh, program to promote vaccination. This guy's a chiropractor doing vaccinations. I mean, think about it. He retrofitted his entire operation so he was doing no chiropractic care and just doing vaccinations. And he was laughing at me about it, how he just created a whole vaccine industry, how he had people lined up around the block and he was just doing one after the other and he was doing zero chiropractic care. Where do you think that money came from? Where do you think the money came from to pay him 10 grand a month? I mean, that came from you and me, and we didn't have any input to that. And then let's just look at the end result of that. Now, as an orthopedic surgeon, I take call at hospitals, and at these hospitals, people get injuries. And when doctors work at hospitals as part of their ability to have privileges at those hospitals, they have to take call, which means when people come into the emergency room, we go and we take care of those patients. And it used to be that when somebody broke their hip, it was what we call a semi-emergency. And uh, what that means is, you know, we want to get that done quickly. And the idea is, you know, you break your hip, it hurts and you're laying in bed and you can't move. And there are other negative uh, medical consequences that can happen. Like you can get clots and pulmonary emboli and things like that. And so it behooves us to do the operation as quickly as possible. And it's just because of the government penetration and takeover of our health care. Uh, it's just impossible to do. And I was I had a fracture come in uh, the other night and I texted a friend of mine who uh, has uh, privileges at the hospital. Well, he has uh, operating time at the hospital, so he's able to put cases on. And so a lot of times if I have a patient with a hip fracture, I can reach out to him and ask him to do the case and the patient will get done uh, faster than if I have to just get on the add-on schedule. And so we were texting back and forth and he said that he couldn't go to Thursday. And I said, well, let me try uh, and do it tonight myself. And if not, I'll pass it off to you. And we were book- joking back and forth that there's probably zero chance that I'll be able to get on the schedule. And of course, that is exactly what happened. And it just really started to make me a bit dejected and sad about uh, this is uh, an unfortunate um, de-evolution of medical care. And it has to do, in my opinion, with the government takeover of healthcare and the poor allocation of resources. And we simply don't have the ability to do these cases. And when I was young and there was less medical or less government penetration in healthcare, we were able to get these hip fractures done my entire career. And now it's a problem. And this is just one small example 
of how our healthcare is failing and it's due to the government control and no control at the patient level. Now, I'm going to start getting into some uh, audio tape of a bunch of players over the last couple of years to show you how the media, how our uh, medical uh, boards and, and institutions that control our health care compelled us to do something that was not necessarily in our best interest. And uh, I'm going to use their own words to show how they first said, uh, you know, everything we have to do uh, is pro-COVID, pro-vaccination, pro-lockdown, pro-masks. And then they admit that they didn't work. And then they admit that there are problems. And then they're right back at it again with no apology, no uh, no uh, changing of their ways. Uh, and I think it's going to be pretty powerful. Now, I was going through my old newspaper clippings, as I like to do, to, you know, reminisce about the old days and the glory days. And I remember back when the when the uh, Atlanta Braves won the World Series. It was a really big day. And, of course, they were on the front page of the newspaper. And, you know, rightly so. The Braves just won the World Series, front page of the newspaper. But oddly... <laughs> On the front page of the newspaper also was a little little story about uh, yours truly. Doctors spread misinformation with impunity, says here in the first paragraph. Scott Barber wears doctor scrubs when he records his podcast. An American flag tacked behind the wall behind him. Now, what am I always talking to you guys about the American flag? Whenever you see a movie or a TV show, the American flag is always associated with the villain or somebody who's a bad person. Uh, I just pointed that out to you. If you haven't noticed it, you'll notice anytime you see a movie or a TV show and they associate somebody with the American flag, I guarantee you that's uh, the villain. And of course, you know, that's always the the plan of the uh, America hating uh, people is that anybody associated with a Mike, uh, an American flag is a villain, which is why they use this imagery in the very first paragraph. <clears throat> He records his podcast, an American flag tacked behind him, uh, leaning into the microphone. He gives health advice that experts say could land a person in intensive care. Now, if we remember back what I was saying back during uh, 2020, 2021, I was sharing you my thoughts about things like masks didn't work. Okay, now masks not working in the way that they wanted them to work to prevent this viral transmission was not my opinion. It was a fact. It was a fact, and I was prevented from saying it, and they did it by uh, trying to cancel me. And we know that it was a fact because the Cochrane Review, now that the the COVID has kind of come and gone a little bit, it hasn't really, but uh, the, the powers that be realized that it's not possible to continue the mass canard, and so the Cochrane Review uh, came out and again confirmed masks don't work. So I said that. Uh, and then when we were talking about vaccines and other things, what I, I never said do or don't. What I said was the truth, which is it takes a long time to know the complications of vaccines and that whether or not you give somebody a vaccine is a risk benefit analysis. And I also pointed out the data that young, healthy people were generally not at risk from SARS CoV 2. And so that in my opinion, I wouldn't take the vaccine in my opinion. Uh, and now we've learned a lot, and I'm going to share that with you. I'm looking at one of my other front page clippings here. 
Dr. Scott Barber, affiliated with America's Frontline Doctors, a conservative group known for spreading conspiracy theories and unproven claims about COVID-19. So it's just a flat out lie. America's Frontline Doctors was just a bunch of doctors who didn't know each other. And there were uh, people on the left and people on the right in that cohort of people. Uh, I didn't know any of those people. The only thing we had in common was an understanding that there was information about COVID out there that was not being shared by our medical institutions. And all we wanted to do was share that information. Uh, things like <clears throat> the uh, mortality rates, things like early treatment, and uh, the fact that hydroxychloroquine and ivermectin were effective. And I think we all know that there has been a great effort by the powers that be to try and prevent us from knowing about hydroxychloroquine and ivermectin. And I'm going to play some stuff to show that. Uh, and uh, as a um, as a result, uh, there was just this effort to to cancel us. And uh, as it turns out, the people that were canceling us, those are the ones that have egg on their face. And let's go through. Now, I always like to play Dr. Mari McCarty, who is testifying uh, before Congress. He's a surgeon and public policy researcher at Johns Hopkins University. Uh, he writes for the Washington Post and the Wall Street Journal. He's the author of two New York Times bestselling books, Unaccountable and The Price We Pay. Uh, Dr. McCarty served uh, in the leadership at the World Health Organization Patient Safety Program and has been elected to the National Academy of Medicine. Okay, so this guy is certainly an establishment uh, uh, medical doctor with all the credentials one would need to be accepted by the expert class. And let's hear what he had to say as he reflects before Congress about the pandemic. Greatest perpetrator of misinformation during the pandemic has been the United States government. Misinformation that COVID was spread through surface transmission, that vaccinated immunity was far greater than natural immunity, that masks were effective. Now we have the definitive Cochrane review. What do you do with that review? Cochrane is the most authoritative evidence body in all of medicine and has been for decades. Do you just ignore it, not talk about it? That myocarditis was more common after the infection than the vaccine. Not true. It's four to 28 times more common after the the vaccine. That young people benefit from a booster. Misinformation. Our two top experts on vaccines quit the FDA in protest over this particular issue, pushing boosters in young, healthy people. The data was never there. That's why the CDC never disclosed hospitalization rates among boosted Americans under age 50. The vaccine mandates would increase vaccination rates. The George uh, Mason University study shows it didn't. It did one thing. It created never vaxxers who are now not getting the childhood vaccines they need to get. Over and over again, we've seen something that goes far beyond using your best judgment with the information at hand. We've seen something which is unforgivable, and that is the weaponization of medical research itself. The C CDC putting out their own shoddy studies, like their own study on natural immunity, looking at one state for two months, when they had data for years on all 50 states. Why did they only report that one sliver of data? Why did they salami slice the giant database? Because it gave them the result they wanted. Same with masking study. Well, the data has now caught up in giant systematic reviews 
and the public health officials were intellectually dishonest. They lied to the American people. Thank you. So the important thing to know about that, I meant to bring it up, but when we were talking about the tools that they use, they use this idea of science too to stop you from critical thinking, to stop you from asking questions, right? They use things like scientists agree or the data says or the research says, when the reality is that um, scientific research doesn't work that way. You know, you can have two very good studies on the very same issue and they have different conclusions. I mean, that happens in science all the time. And uh, so whenever you hear these people that are trying to uh, shut down debate and they just try to, you know, say, well, the science says and end it, that is not how that works. And uh, we're going to go through a lot of this stuff because that happened a lot during the last uh, few years where we were told to sit down and shut up because the experts say now <clears throat> um, when we started going through. Uh, COVID, just to review, and I'm, you know, many of you may not have followed this on a medical side closely the way I did, but I want to say early into the pandemic, March or April or something like that, the, uh, New England Journal of Medicine and The Lancet came out with studies on hydroxychloroquine and ivermectin. Well, uh, the studies were on hydroxychloroquine and it said that the hydroxychloroquine was not only ineffective at preventing COVID, that it was dangerous. And to me, I was like, that is just, ridiculous. I use hydroxychloroquine a lot as an orthopedic surgeon. Hydroxychloroquine is used for prophylaxis against malaria. Uh, we give it to people. Uh, it's one of the most commonly used drugs of all time. It's got literally the safest profile. It's safer than Tylenol. And this idea all of a sudden, like, I remember thinking to myself, why are they going out of their way to discredit hydroxychloroquine? And of course, when we look back on it, in my opinion, if people were taking hydroxychloroquine in mass, they would not have been getting sick from COVID. And that would have uh, really thrown a wrench in the people that were promoting lockdowns, vaccinations, and all the rest. And so the New England Journal of Medicine, the number one and number two uh, medical journals on the planet, came out with these studies saying that hydroxychloroquine was not didn't work and was dangerous. And then they had to retract the studies two weeks later when they were caught using fake data. Now, as somebody who's been a scientist and a doctor for a long time, I can tell you that there is absolutely no way, in my humble opinion, that the New England Journal of Medicine and Lancet would have allowed these studies to get past their peer review unless they were in on it. I mean, that's just an observation there. And, um, you know, the idea that they got published and then retracted two weeks later, and it wasn't like the data was you know, flawed. It wasn't like, oh, let me just look more closely at the data. And now, you know, now that I look at it a little more closely, I guess my conclusion, that's not what happened. They didn't have anything. There was no data. I mean, it's so in the tank. And the idea that these studies were retracted and our medical institutions didn't protect us. They didn't say, hey, listen, this happened. And so you guys should use, you didn't hear any of that. Right. And that was very odd to me. Um, and so, you know, I'm looking at this study, uh, Lancet retracts medical study critical of hydroxychloroquine. Study results were designed for political purposes. The medical journal Lancet has now fully retracted their prior claimed scientific study against the use of hydroxychloroquine. The Lancet study was quickly and purposefully used by all major media outlets to attack President Trump for his advocacy of the drug and his effective use for the uh, treatment of the virus. Now, uh, so that happened. Uh, I'm I'm sitting here. I'm studying. I'm starting to notice that I'm I'm, I'm putting myself back in 2020, reviewing the 
you know, how things laid out to me. I remember the, the Royal College of London came out with this ridiculous claim that the mortality rate from SARS-CoV-2 was 3.4%, which was just obviously ridiculous on the face of it. And of course, they revised that quote um, not long after, but it didn't matter. Once these studies came out, once the Royal College of London came out, they implemented lockdowns. They banned kind of the, not banned, but they really made it difficult to use hydroxychloroquine. Doctors were very, made very afraid uh, to prescribe the medication because especially in blue states that they were being attacked by their medical uh, boards and have their licenses subjective. And then we were hit with this just crazy barrage of coercion is what I would call it. And let's listen. This is Dr. Walensky who uh, was the HHS secretary. Let's listen to what she had to say back in the day. Our data from the CDC today suggests, um, you know, that, that vaccinated people do not carry the virus, don't get sick, um, and, and that it's not just in the clinical trials, but it's also in real world data. Our data from the CDC today suggests, um, you know, that, that vaccinated people do not carry the virus, don't get sick, um, and, and that it's not just in the clinical trials, but it's also in real world data. So that's kind of a, I mean, that's kind of incredible to me to make a claim like that. I remember at the time thinking, it's like, wow, we just got this new vaccine. It's not really out there yet. And you're just like making this blanket claim like, oh, you, you can't get it. I remember Rachel Maddow. Remember her? Uh, MSNBC host talking about the vaccine. Let's hear what she has to say back in the day. Means that instead of the vaccine being able, excuse me, it means for instead of the virus being able to hop from person to person to person to person, spreading and spreading, sickening some of them, but not all of them. And the ones that it doesn't sicken don't know they have it. And then they give it to even more people because they didn't recognize they were right. Instead of the virus being able to hop from person to person to person, potentially mutating and becoming more virulent and drug resistant along the way. Now we know that the stops with every vaccinated person. A vaccinated person gets exposed to the virus. The virus does not infect them. The virus cannot then use that person to go anywhere else. It cannot use a vaccinated person as a host to go get more people. That means... The vaccines will get us to the end of this. Wow, that's a pretty powerful statement from somebody who's not a doctor. It's kind of weird how they uh, suspend the, you know, you have to be an expert to say anything. But Rachel Maddow out there basically telling the the world that, uh, you know, you take the vaccine and it stops. Let's listen to Obama and Fauci on vaccines back in the day talking about spreading misinformation. administration, Dr. Fauci, we're wearing masks, millions of kids around the country who have gotten vaccinated, which means that if you're still thinking about it, you know, get informed, talk to somebody you trust, your family doctor, your pediatrician, a school nurse, get more information about it. They'll tell you it's safe. It's effective. This is, uh, this vaccine is tailored for, uh, kids and, uh, then come on down and find a spot to get vaccinated. You can get it for free just by going to vaccine.gov. It'll tell you exactly where uh, you can go to get vaccinated. And, uh, you know, make sure to do it, as you said, for your kids, your entire family, as well as for the community at large. 
That's weird. I wonder when the Atlanta Journal-Constitution is going to do a, a piece on them talking about their Obama and Fauci sit spreading misinformation that many experts say could end you in the ICUs. Weird. Um, you know, some of these clowns, too, you know, I'm in this world, yeah, and I'm always teaching my students that <clears throat> you should never trust what anybody says just because of their title or their education or prior uh, awards or anything like that. I know how human beings are, and it doesn't matter how educated we are, how accomplished we are. We're still subject to the same sins that everybody else is. Uh, and I, I know that these people are just human beings. And so I want you to listen to the CDC director laughing about how she's making these decisions that I'm, I'm going to show you guys in the future about uh, how dangerous these vaccines were. But listen to the CDC director. This is the person telling us what we have to do because we have a one-size-fits-all, uh, top-down, uh, controlled uh, healthcare system, and the CDC director has a lot of power. I want you to listen to this. So I would call, probably the person I called most was the Secretary of Health and Human Services in Massachusetts. She worked for a Republican governor just to, um, but, you know, when she was like, are you, are you going to let them have professional, um, uh, football? And I was like, nope. And she's like, okay, neither are we, neither are we. Uh, <laughs> um, so, uh, you know, it was like conversations like that. So, or, or I'd be like, so when are you going to think about lightening up a mess? Or like, she's like, next Monday. I'm like, okay, next Monday. <laughs> So I would call. I mean, are you kidding me? This is so infuriating. The way these people, and this happens, right? Lord Acton, who, who said power corrupts and absolute power corrupts absolutely, right? Uh, you got the CDC director here and she's just talking about how these big, am I going to allow them to have professional football with all my power? Shall I allow them to have not operating on any data? Not doing anything super, you know, that's what we think, right? Well, we need to have the CDC out there because they're going to look at the data real closely. All these smart people, they're going to figure it out and protect us. They don't do that. They don't do that. As we can see, they get paid to uh, do things. You don't believe me? Listen to Josh Hawley talking about the CIA uh, and their role in this. Listen to what he had to say. Josh Hawley, Senator. Intelligence dangerously compromised, warned CIA and FBI whistleblowers. You're not the only one to report this, of course. But uh, I was reading your report on it this morning. This is something that you have been warning about for quite some time. And the allegations stem from a whistleblower who has come forward to the House, a whistleblower from the Central Intelligence Agency. I have the letter, the relevant letter here from the House Oversight Committee. The whistleblower alleges that a CIA team was paid to change its assessment of the origins of COVID-19. Do I have that broadly correct? Is that your understanding yes, of the of the report? Yeah. Um, this is obviously a, a, a bombshell report, uh, deeply, deeply troubling. I'm glad that uh, the House is going to look into it. We should look into it. What caught my attention is you point out in your article on this that the government has deliberately violated the COVID Origins Act, which... This body passed unanimously, which the House passed. The president signed into law. Maybe he wasn't so happy about signing it into law, but he did. It is the law of the land, and which required that all of the government's intelligence on the origins of COVID be made public. Instead, what the administration did was offer up a summary, which they then in turn heavily redacted. And you point out that in addition, 
The government refused to, the administration refused to report the names of scientists who fell ill at the Wuhan Institution, Institute of Virology in 2019, despite the fact they know the names. The intelligence community knows the names. Now, you're absolutely right to say this is a violation of the COVID Origins Act, and I would know because I wrote it. So I'm not very happy about the fact that this administration continues to flaunt, flout, completely ignore public law passed, again, unanimously by the United States Senate. For what end, I can't tell. I can't figure out why in the world. I, I don't know what partisan gain there is to it. Why in the world they want to lie to the American people. You conclude your article by saying the government has become extremely comfortable with lying to us. Just explain what you mean by that and, and tell us why you think this is so significant. Well, sure. And just on the very specific point, if we were the first to identify the, the three people that uh, contracted the coronavirus in China. They were the people working on gain-of-function research in the Wuhan Institute of Virology. The Wall Street Journal confirmed our reporting two weeks later, and then I, I think it was one week after that or a few days after that, uh, the ODNI report came out, and it uh, did not reveal this information. And we had multiple sources, the Wall Street Journal. We have no idea if the Wall Street Journal sources were the same, but uh, I think we're clearly seeing... A lot of abuses of power occurring in multiple executive uh, agencies. So we've seen it. With and that, and then that's really this. The point I'm trying to make there is, we give an awful lot of power to these institutions, these medical boards, and we are hoping that they're looking out for us. And what we're seeing here is th that they're not. Now it doesn't even matter whether or not you believe this is true or not, you have a United States senator that is discussing the fact that there's a whistleblower saying that they were basically bribed, the CIA was bribed to change their opinion about the origins of COVID. I mean, this is absolutely unbelievable to me, and it proves my point that we need to have a free market healthcare where individuals own and control their own healthcare. And that the people that they contract with their doctors have fidelity to the patients and that we're not controlled by these uh, medical boards that in many cases are simply corrupt. That we not have these witch hunts against people that bring up information and rather than debate them in open sunlight, we try to cancel people saying they're spreading misinformation. This has got to stop or we're going to end up in the same uh, situation again. I mean... You've got these medical institutions, the uh, Fauci, uh, who uh, was um, the NAIAD director. You have the HHS secretary. You have these media people that are uh, telling us you have Obama, who, you know, is a, a former president. And he was also, uh, um, you know, he's a cultural icon that has a tremendous influence over people and and these people are compelling us to take a vaccine that has not been fully tested um they uh, I, you you're going to sit here and say like well you know what are you talking about what do you mean it hasn't been fully tested right we were using emergency use authorization for these vaccines at the time and they were not fully uh fully investigated so we didn't know what the problems were you got these powerful people telling us that the vaccines are fully effective and fully safe and now we got the CDC saying this this is after the fact 
We are just getting word of this now. Regarding the COVID vaccine, the CDC is now saying that there has been enough cases of people who have had the vaccine, received the vaccine, and then suffered a stroke. The agency will now be investigating any potential links between the shots and the strokes in some of those patients. Okay, so that's Fox News reporting the fact that the CDC now notes that people are having strokes and that they're going to investigate that. Now, I need you guys to really look at this. You've got this disease, COVID, SARS-CoV-2. We have information about the types of people that are being infected and really having complications of death and serious illness. And those were typically elderly people with comorbid conditions. We were noticing very early on, this is because I was doing, looking at the data myself as a physician and knowing that young people were, uh, you know, as close to a bulletproof from this uh, injury as possible. And yet they're forcing people to take this vaccine. And I was just kind of like, what in the world is going on? I mean, and then when you tried to say anything about it, you have these people that are just attacking you, threatening your license. Um, and so we see that we kind of go through this sort of uh, exercise where the institutions are compelling us to take the vaccine and wear masks and employ lockdowns. They're telling us it's safe and effective. They're trying to use every kind of influencer to get us to comply. And then other information starts coming out, like uh, people are having myocarditis from the vaccines. There are sudden deaths that are happening from the vaccines. And then you get these people that are starting to admit it. I want you to listen to um, Harold Ford. He was a former Tennessee congressman. He gets seven COVID shots. Uh, and this guy's had COVID three times. This is him on Fox News's uh, The Five. I want you to hear the way he talks. I think the message from is get the shot if you want. I if will. If you want it, don't, go ahead. Don't get it. Where you going to get, get another one? I just said I'm not going to ask anybody if they're it? getting their shot. Get, I won't wear a mask, but I'm going to get the shot. You are? How, what number shot is this for you? I've had it every t- So I'm <laughs> one in October. I have one in April. How many? What's the total? So this yeah. will be my seventh. Oh, <laughs> and I've had COVID three times. Coming up. <laughs> Okay, this is the weirdest to me is when I start reflecting on this whole thing, like the data is available to anybody who wants to see it, you know, and uh, particularly when I see people these days wearing masks, it, it makes me wonder how manipulated they are because the data is clear that the masks don't work, okay, for the transmission of these viral diseases. And yet somehow people do it and it's because these tools where People that influence them are continuing to tell them to use it. Now, I don't get that because I don't watch news outlets and I don't read things that I know lie to me on a regular basis. And so I don't get this sort of propaganda into me. But obviously, a lot of people are. And here you have a former Democrat congressman, Harold Ford, kind of flippantly laughing. I'm going to keep getting the shot. Now, he's given up on the mask, you see, like he's not pushing that as much. Uh, but he's like, I'm going to get more COVID shots. And it's just like, what in the world are you doing? You're getting these shots. Uh, the data is out there that there's potential uh, downside to these shots. 
There's also data out there that you're not particularly at risk, especially from these new variants of COVID, and yet you're going to continue taking the COVID shots. And I have to ask the question, he seems like a pretty smart guy. Is he really going to be taking the COVID shots or is he just trying to influence you to take those COVID shots? And when I ask myself that, why would he do that? Like, why would he try to get you to do that? Well, let's think about it. Um, we got some information here that, um, let me try and find it. <clears throat> so Congress, uh, here, more than two thirds of Congress cashed a pharma campaign check in 2020, uh, new stat analysis shows. Now, what we've seen is that, uh, 72 senators and 302 members of the House of Representatives cast a check from the pharmaceutical interest uh, industry ahead of the 2020 election, representing more than two thirds of Congress, according to a new stat analysis of records for the full election cycle. Pfizer's Political Action Committee alone contributed to 228 lawmakers. Agman's PAC donated to 218, meaning that each company helped to fund the campaigns of nearly half the lawmakers on Capitol Hill. Overall, the sector donated $14 million. Well, that could kind of uh, explain to you why people are influenced to say the things they, that they do. And the thing that is important in your health care is these people have influence over you. They have influence over me too. I'm not immune to this stuff. I have to constantly be using my critical thinking skills as well to understand if I'm being told something that's true or not. But you need to do the same thing. And this guy's telling you to use a vaccine that clearly doesn't seem to work. It doesn't seem to be completely safe. Uh, and yet, and in his own experience, he's had seven shots. He's gotten COVID three times. By the way, I've had none. And, uh, I've gotten it zero times. So, uh, you know, it just, it, it just begs the question, why would you do that? And the reason is, is that when you have a one size fits all top down control, it's easy to come in and control the people up at the top and that controls, uh, everything downstream. And, you know, you get these pharmaceutical companies that get in control of Congress. They get in, in control of the World Health Organization and these medical boards. And next thing you know, they start mandating policy that you have to follow. And, you know, uh, hospitals start telling their doctors, you better get vaccinated or else you're not going to have privileges. Next thing you know, you're forcing that. Uh, you know, so I had so many students, right, that were like, I can't go to school and I can't play sports if I don't get the vaccine. And there's this compulsion. And you, you, what I want you guys to understand is that I don't want you to be seeing a boogeyman around every corner. Look, there are good people out there, but not everybody's good. And there are good people that are in their behavior is influenced by money and power and other types of things. And you should just be aware of it. I always talk about people whenever I do business, you know, I understand that the basic human nature is people do things in their own best interest, which is how it should be. So if I'm doing a business deal with somebody, I want to know what their angle is, what's in it for them. Because if I can't see what's in it for them, then I'm missing something because People don't do deals unless they have a benefit of it. And that's the beauty of free market capitalism. It's good for the, it's a free contract and it's good for the buyer and it's good for the seller, which is why our healthcare should be free market healthcare. Now, when we give power to these institutions, they are not looking out for us. And I want you to talk about, I want you to understand that these institutions 
are not independent. I want you to see here the World Health Organization is not an independent organization. Albanese government continued the Morrison government's campaign to sign away Australian sovereignty to the United Nations World Health Organization, the WHO. Despite the attempt failing, WHO's power grab is ongoing. WHO is not independent. Their owners are corporate donors who contribute most of the WHO budget. WHO's current sugar daddy is Bill Gates, who has made billions out of his investment in the same vaccines that WHO promotes. Gates bought the WHO and they now recommend his products. It is that simple. The head of the WHO is Tedros Ghebreyesus, previously health minister of a terrorist organisation called the Tigray People's Liberation Front, where he used international aid to buy power and punish his enemies. The regions of Ethiopia that Tedros starved for medical supplies suffered disastrous cholera epidemics in, 20, in 2006, 2009, 2011. Independent investigators found Tedros was, quote, fully complicit in the terrible suffering and dying that spread in East Africa. He's a killer. WHO is rotting from the head. Last week, Associated Press reported on the WHO sex crime scandal, where WHO staffers sexually exploited girls and women during the Congo's recent Ebola outbreak. Inhuman. At, at least 83 WHO staff engaged in abuse, including rape and forced abortions, with victims as young as 13. WHO refused to fire the perpetrators using the absurd argument that their actions didn't violate WHO's sexual exploitation practice policies because the victims were not receiving WHO aid. The raping part is okay with Tedros. This is the person who heads an organisation that many in government and academia want to elevate above the Australian Parliament. One Nation rejects the UNWHO power grab and will defend Australian sovereignty. So should you all. Thank you, Senator Rob. So this is one of the senators in Parliament in Australia, and he's talking about the World Health Organization and its power and the fact that it's being run by uh, Tedros Gabrezi, who's an Ethiopian, who's a hand-picked guy uh, by China. Okay, so China doesn't necessarily have the United States or the rest of the world's best interest involved, and it's giving them a whole lot of power. And you go back to my original conversation with my old roommate from college, Bud, who said, you know, I hear what you're saying, but you're asking me to believe that the whole world is involved in a conspiracy. It's not that hard when you see how the levers of power work. You got these massive uh, pharmaceutical companies and corporations that are able to uh, essentially give money to all of our Congress or a significant portion of our Congress, obviously influencing the way they vote. You got the World Health Organization that uh, has a tremendous amount of power and we're trying to sign a treaty. I'm not even sure I think we have signed a treaty that's basically giving the World Health Organization the ability to uh, take control over our country uh, by simply uh, declaring a state of health emergency. Now, this is very dangerous. And uh, Jack Posobiec uh, did this uh, uh, research on the WhatsApp leak from uh, the UK. One of the messages even stated when they would deploy the new COVID 
variant. Why do we want to deploy this? They're calling them the lockdown files. These messages were sent between ministers, officials, and others showing how the government used scare tactics to force compliance of the citizens and push through lockdowns. And another message, Simon Case, the cabinet secretary, said that the fear and guilt factor was vital in ramping up the messages during the third national lockdown. That was January 2021. Prior to that, and again, this is from the Telegraph. Matt Hancock, the then health secretary, appeared to suggest in one message that a new strain of COVID had recently emerged that would be, and I'm quoting here, the new strain would be helpful by scaring the populace into compliance. Okay, so those were, those, those were WhatsApp leaks that were obtained that showed how British government uh, uh, leaders were using the pandemic to control people and to implement policy. And they're obviously using it con- to control money. Now you see, uh, where my, my roommate bud, how you're asking me to believe the whole world is involved in a conspiracy. It's much easier to see it. It's, it's factually happening. I've shown you that you have these media people, you have the heads of, of, uh, institutions, uh, in control. Um, and then we see one by one the things uh, that we were saying on this show as an independent physician making comments about the fact that the vaccines are not fully tested and there's problems. And now the CDC is admitting it and they're looking at things. I just give you I'm just scratching the surface. I could show you this all day. And in fact, I'm going to continue to show you this stuff. Um, so we've come full circle where they've been implementing all this stuff. We're starting to see how. The vaccines were not safe. They were not effective. The lockdowns didn't work. We're starting to see how they used the pandemic to control the money. Um, I could go on and on showing you all these uh, different aspects of uh, how the vaccines are uh, causing problems, myocarditis, sudden deaths, and we'll be getting into that in the future. And no apology no uh, kumbaya from the uh, medical institutions. And then here's Corrine Jean-Pierre uh, in the wake of all this stuff. And this is her currently. So as I think you've heard from the uh, FDA and CDC, uh, they've made an announcement on the new vaccine. Uh, so certainly um, they said that they will have an, there will be an updated vaccine in September, mid-September, I believe. So uh, we know that, as you all know, vaccinations against COVID-19 remains the safest protection for avoiding hospitalization, long-term health outcomes, and death, which is why we are, we are going to be encouraging uh, Americans to stay up to date on their vaccine. This... This to me is the most unbelievable thing. Like we're not even done unraveling all these problems. We've got uh, Canadian data that I'll get into uh, in later shows talking about how 17 million deaths, they can prove it, uh, worldwide are caused by the vaccine. We see kids getting myocarditis. The fact that these new strains are really not um, – not that dangerous to people who don't have uh, other uh, illnesses and who aren't old. I mean, I, I just can't believe that people are falling for this stuff. And in my opinion, uh, we're getting to a point now where I think the case has been made 
that we have to get rid of this government control of our health care. We have to go back to a more free market uh, system. And the only way that we're going to accomplish that is by electing political officials that believe in free market health care. And those are going to be the types of people that basically believe in freedom. And I'm just going to tell you, it's no Democrats. They don't want it. They want socialized medicine because they want the government to control it. Their belief is that the smart people will be able to make better decisions and it'll be a better use of resources. And I feel like I've just proven to you guys that's absolutely not true. It's not only that they're not able to do it, but they won't do it. I hope that show is informative. Great to talk to you guys. Look forward to seeing you next time. Everybody have a Merry Christmas. We'll see you back uh, next time on the Doctor's Lounge. I'm Dr. Scott Barber. You're listening to me on America's Web Radio. See you next time. The views, opinions, and content of the show hosts and their guests appearing on America's Web Radio are their own and do not necessarily reflect those of the station. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening.